Our New Testament reading today is from Hebrews. Long ago, God spoke to our ancestors in many and various ways by the prophets. But in these last days, he has spoken to us by a son, whom he appointed heir of all things, through whom he also created the worlds. He is the reflection of God's glory and the exact imprint of God's very being, and he sustains all things by his powerful word. When he had made purification for sins, he sat down at the right hand of the majesty on high, having become as much superior to angels as the name he has inherited is more excellent than theirs. For to which of the angels did God ever say, you are my son, today I have begotten you? Or again, I will be his father and he will be my son. And again, when he brings the firstborn into the world, he says, let all God's angels worship him. Of the angels, he says, he makes his angels winds and his servants flames of fire. But of the Son, he says, your throne, O God, is forever and ever, and the righteous scepter is the scepter of your kingdom. You have loved righteousness and hated wickedness. Therefore, God, your God, has anointed you with the oil of gladness beyond your companions. This is the word of the Lord. Thanks be to God. Today's gospel reading is from the book of Luke. Hear the gospel of our Lord Jesus Christ according to Luke. Glory to you, O Lord. When the angels had left them and gone into heaven, the shepherds said to one another, let us go now to Bethlehem and see this thing that has taken place, which the Lord has made known to us. So they went with haste and found Mary and Joseph and the child lying in the manger. When they saw this, they made known what had been told them about this child, and all who heard it were amazed at what the shepherds told them. But Mary treasured all these words and pondered them in her heart. The shepherds returned, glorifying and praising God for all they had heard and seen as it had been told them. This is the gospel of the Lord. Praise to you, O Christ. Would you pray with me? Gracious God, we thank you for the miracle of Christmas and that you have come to be God with us in your son Jesus and in your spirit. Uh, we thank you that you make your home among us and that you call us to make our home with you. And so I pray this morning that as we worship you, as we come to adore you, as we sit now with your scriptures, that you would give us a deep sense of awe and wonder at your love, at the mystery of your coming to be a human being with us, uh, and of what it means for us to participate with you in this new life that you have planted in the earth at Christmas and at your resurrection. So would you be with us and guide us now? We pray through Christ our Lord. Amen. So I was pondering as we had our Christmas Eve service a couple days ago and have been celebrating this, this gift of God in Jesus, who God coming to be with us, God giving of God's self to us at Christmas. I have been reflecting on other gifts that I've received in my life, and I was thinking back to one Christmas uh, from my early teenage years, and um, it was the one Christmas morning I can remember being really disappointed with what I got. 
Have you ever had that experience? Have you ever, as a kid, did you ever come out on Christmas morning and actually be like, no, not that. I wanted something else. Well, for me, it was the year, I think I was 12, uh, and it was, it was the year that what I got for Christmas was an acoustic guitar, uh, Yamaha acoustic guitar. And um, I don't know if you've ever gotten a guitar as a, as a new or non-guitar player, but there's not a lot you can do with an acoustic guitar if you don't know how to play it. It's not like a keyboard with cool settings where you punch in, you know, number 98 and it sounds like a machine gun and you, you, know, you run around the house pushing buttons. Or it's not like a drum set where it's like you have hands, you have sticks. You can have a great time with a drum set knowing nothing at all about how to make it work, right? But an acoustic guitar just kind of hurts your fingers and it doesn't sound like music if you don't know what to do with it. And so there's literally no way to play with this thing on Christmas morning. But ironically, uh, decades later, as an adult, there is only one toy I still play with <laughs> from all of my Christmas mornings as a child, and it's that one. It's the only one I still play with all these years later. As I've been reflecting on that, I'm just thinking about the joy of Christmas and the way in which there are certain kinds of joys that erupt and it's all there in the moment, right? The cut flowers, this demonstration where it's all there and, and the entire experience is right there in the moment. And there's this other kind that's more like a planted seed that takes time to grow and mature and develop, and it, it may become a lush garden, but it takes time. And, and I think of that Christmas and the way that the guitar has taken on new life in my life and the way that that's not just the gift of a guitar, but the gift of music and all of these things. It's by far the greatest gift that I was given at Christmas, but it's the one that was in the moment, maybe not what I was looking for. And as I think about the, the miracle of Jesus and his birth at Christmas, it's, a, it's one that takes time to mature to where we begin to see all of the joy that is packed into that gift. It's one that takes time for the story to unfold. And it's one in which what's actually happening in that moment when God comes to be born as the Christ child, what's actually happening is way more impressive than it appears. And we get the gift in scripture of some of the commentary around it to help us perceive what would have been imperceptible to many and what might have appeared to be an, a generally unremarkable event of a common baby boy being born to commoners in a common place, this child in low estate that we just sang about, uh, to the untrained eye, a relatively unimpressive, unremarkable event. But to those who have eyes to see, the greatest moment up to that point in all of the history of the world. And so we have these two texts this morning, one from Hebrews and one from the Gospel of Luke. And the one from Luke is, this, is the tail end of the same one we looked at on Christmas Eve, where the angels appear to the shepherds who are out in the fields by night. And the angels tell the shepherds of the good news, that this Christ child has been born. And the angel you know, says, do not be afraid, and appears to these shepherds. And then the skies are opened, and there's a whole host of angels. Like all the glory of heaven revealed to these shepherds to say, hey, God has done something remarkable, magnificent, world-changing, 
And here's the sign. Go to Bethlehem and you'll find a child wrapped in swaddling cloths, lying in a manger. Go there. And they go to tell of the good news to Mary and to Joseph. And it says that Mary pondered these words and treasured them in her heart. They were given the gift of being able to see beyond what was visible, to be able to see the, the magnitude, to be able to see the grandeur, the greatness of what was happening in their midst in the birth of this particular child. The author of Hebrews also takes us on a little journey to begin to peer into the grandeur and mystery of this Jesus. He says, long ago, God spoke to our ancestors in many and various ways by the prophets. But in these last days, he's spoken to us by a son whom he appointed heir of all things through whom he also created the world. And then he says this, he is the reflection of God's glory and the exact imprint of God's very being. The writer of Hebrews is going to tell us a few things about how Jesus is better than everyone who's come along before, superior to the angels, superior to Moses, superior to all of these other, the, the priesthood and everything. And I think if we want to distill it into a nutshell, we want to see that what God has done in Jesus in coming to be human, the word made flesh to dwell among us, there's an aspect of it where God has given us a revelation that's greater than everything that had come before. There's an aspect where God has given a redemption that is greater than everything that has come before. And there's a way in which God has brought into, in, into the very beginning a new creation, which is greater than everything that had come before. So re revelation, redemption, and new creation. If we want to have three lenses to look through, to perceive in the Christ child something that is far greater than what it appears at face value, I think those are three helpful lenses. And so think about this. God's revelation in Jesus is greater than everything that had come before. It says God used to speak through the prophets. There, was, there were times when God gave prophets to tell specific messages, whether it was speaking to the kings and speaking truth to power, or whether it was speaking to God's people, or occasionally even speaking to God's enemies. God would send the prophets with a particular message particular glimpse, perhaps, of God's character or a particular um, bit of information about something that was to come. But here, the writer of Hebrews says, in these last days, he has spoken to us by a son. And this son is the exact imprint of God's own being. Meaning, what God has given us in Jesus, the gift that is greater than it appears, what God has given us in Jesus is a human manifestation of what God is like. Do you ever wonder what God is like? Do you ever dread prayer? Or do you ever feel like maybe you're not worthy of God's presence? We're not worthy of God's presence. But so often we think we're not worthy of God's presence because we imagine God to be some angry judge or something like that. We, we, we find versions of God or depictions of God that scare us off, right? But what we get in Jesus is the best picture, the fullest picture, the one that actually, it, it ties a bow on everything that God has said before and said the whole story was leading to this moment, to this revelation of God. This is what God is like. 
the one who comes to be born as the child in low estate, the one who comes to love God and love neighbor, the one who comes to heal the sick and to speak the truth in love, the one who comes to give sight to the blind and release to the captives, and ultimately the one who comes to suffer and to die with us, to join us in our plight, and then to rise again from the dead to bring new life. In Jesus, God has written himself into the human story so that the tragic ending that we write through our own selfishness and greed and turning against neighbor, that that tragic ending would not actually be the end of the story, but that God's own ending, the resurrection ending, that is the fruit of love and life-giving power, that that would be the end of the story, not only for us, but for all of creation. There's a revelation of God in Jesus that is greater than everything that's come before. There's also a redemption in Jesus that is greater than everything that has come before. If you look at verse 4 from Hebrews, it says, When he had made purification for sins, he sat down at the right hand of the majesty on high, having become as much superior to angels as the name he has inherited is more excellent than theirs. You see, what God has done in Jesus is to become the kind of priest that's greater than all of the priests of old. The priests of old used to go into the temple and offer sacrifices, right? They would, they would maybe offer a bull or something that would be a, an atoning sacrifice for the sins of the people, and they would do it repeatedly year after year after year. But Jesus is the one who has come to be the great sacrificial lamb who takes away the sins of the world. He's the one who's come to be both the priest and sacrifice at once, who offered of himself once and for all the sacrifice for the sins of the whole world. And so he's made a purification for sins that's greater than everything else that has ever come before and every other thing that we do in our self-help world or in every other mode or mechanism that we try to improve ourselves. What God shows us in Jesus is that God is willing to do every single thing that we need to be restored fully in relationship with him. That God has taken it fully upon himself in Jesus to do the work to be in relationship with us, to forgive us, to cleanse us, to make us new. And so in him, we have a greater redemption. We don't just see what God is like most clearly, but we see what we are like most clearly and what God is willing to do to be with us forever. And of course, the glimpse that we then get of this greater Jesus is one who inaugurates in his resurrection a whole new creation and invites us by his spirit to join him into living in a way that fits heaven now, even in the midst of our earthly life to live with a hope that is fueled by the very promise of God, to live with a love that is fired by the very spirit of God with our hearts ignited and flamed by the love and life-giving power of his spirit. This gift that has come in this tiny baby at Christmas that looked altogether unimpressive was this seed of irreversible life and love that God planted in the earth, his own life. And that garden of life and love that springs from Jesus, the living water, the source of life, that garden is just growing and growing and growing. 
and the spirit that lives on the earth because of Jesus. That spirit enlivens us and makes us to blossom as we participate with him in the way of life, which is the way of Christ. And the blossom that, that we see blooming is one that bears witness to a world that is yet to come, a world in which every tear will be wiped away, a world in which there is no more sorrow, no more pain, and no more death, no more sickness, no more strife, but a world in which actually peace and justice and health and love persist forever. We get to bear witness to that future now by participating now in the life of the one who has come. And that is the glory of the gift that is so much greater than what might be perceived on that night in Bethlehem. There's this little baby, can't even hold up his head, can't even sustain his own life, dependent on his mom. But he is the one who lives and reigns forever, who holds all things together who sustains all things, as the writer of Hebrews says right here, sustains all things by his powerful word. This is the great mystery of Christmas. And this is what Mary pondered and treasured in her heart. And I believe we are given the gift of pondering with her and treasuring in our hearts the same mystery as we ask God to make this new life in Christ born in us, to remake us in his likeness. Esau Macaulay wrote an, uh, a guest essay in the New York Times uh, three days ago, I believe, on the 23rd. And in it, he's contemplating the, the complicated nature of Christmas for him and how he reflects on his own childhood and now adulthood as one who wants to enter deeply this mystery and live in Christ's love and power. And he writes this. But Christmas for the Christian has never promised to soothe every pain or cure every ill. Unfortunately, life with God doesn't work that way. Instead, Christmas is the grand miracle that makes space for all the smaller miracles. It gives us enough hope to walk a little farther in the dark toward the glimmer of something that seems too distant to reach. In other words, if I may paraphrase that, Christmas is not the gift that we ask for or that we think we want because it doesn't fix everything right away. But it's the gift that is actually truly greater than all of the things we think we want because the fixing that it does, the revelation, the redemption, the new creation, it doesn't protect us from suffering, but... It is a promise that God is with us in the midst of it and leads us through it and beyond it to another world that we could never possibly make by our own power. And so the hope that we get in the gift of Christmas is so much greater than the hope that we actually ask for or think that we want. And so part of the awe and the wonder of Christmas is allowing our hearts to be drawn into a mystery that's actually greater than the one that we want and to allow our own desires even to be reshaped in the miracle of the birth of the Christ child. May God give us grace to delight and adore this one, delight in and adore this one who was born at Christmas and to press forward in the hope of the great mystery of his love. Let's pray together. 
Lord Jesus, we confess that we don't know what we're talking about when we confess that you are the Lord of life by whom all the worlds were made and also one who has stepped into creation as a creature to be born as a child who was at that moment weaker than every one of us in this room right now. We don't know what to do with that other than to marvel. And so I pray that by your spirit, you would give us awe and that you would in fact give us wonder. That we would not be content to simply rely on our own understanding, but simply that we would gaze upon you and rejoice with the angels. Glory to God in the highest because of this Christ child who has been born in Bethlehem, this child in low estate who was born to live and to die and to rise again on Easter morning. Would you give us grace, Lord, to be remade in your presence, to be buoyed in our experiences of suffering and disappointment and struggle and sickness and loss, that we would be strengthened in the hope of Christ rather than in the hope of self-improvement or avoiding pain? And would you give us eyes to perceive the glory of the world you've promised and to press forward toward it in faith and hope and love, in step with our Savior who was born among us at Christmas? Would you allow us to come and adore him with sincerity and depth and joy? We ask through Christ our Lord. Amen. Amen.